Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Marla. Marla is the author of My Thoughts Abandoned and the co-author of Brave Women, Strong Faith. Actually, a couple of my previous podcast guests helped co-author that. So look at me being famous and all. (laughs) Uh, So Marla is also a freelance writer, blogger, and speaker. She has written and been featured in many national publications. However, her passion is giving, giving to people in need. She does so through, through the co-founder of Bautista Project Incorporated, a nonprofit organization that provides basic living essentials, mentorship, educational resources, and other much needed resources for the homeless community members. Well, Marla, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So everybody should know, uh, this is gonna be a little different because this is actually an interview for my community psych, uh, class. And I was like, do you want to make it a podcast <laughs> episode too? And Marla's like, sure. sure. Uh, so I have specific questions I have to ask Marla, um, because I have to write a three page paper and uh, then incorporate into a literature review. So uh, I can't be like, let's just have a conversation, but you were on the podcast previously. So if people want to go and listen to that, they can absolutely revisit it. And I'll put it in the show notes. It's such a wonderful episode. You really got so vulnerable about your, your past and about your journey. So let's get started. First, what does your organization specifically do? My organization provides resources for homeless community members here in Tampa, Florida. Um, Specifically, we provide meals, uh, we provide educational resources, we provide supplemental services uh, for homeless community members uh, transitioning uh, either to or from homelessness. Um, Unfortunately, some people transition into homelessness. And we also um, provide transition services for them to exit the homeless community. So you recently posted that you are, you found something interesting that you can do to help the homeless community. Am I off base with that? I I could have swore you posted something on the interwebs. (laughs) Um, I'm always posting on the interwebs. (laughs) You are. Uh, So depending on what it's in reference to, we may be talking about poverty porn. Oh, was that a recent within the last couple of weeks post, like the last month-ish? That was just actually a few days ago. Okay, then that wasn't it. Oh, so tell me about poverty porn anyways. (laughs) Poverty porn is totally a thing. Um, So poverty porn is essentially... um, pornography but not pornography so poverty Mm. porn is getting you to see a more in-depth thing so like say you know sexual pornography right that's right that's people watching other people have sex well poverty porn is people wanting to see in-depth images of people in poverty oh so like 
that I, I always use the example of super late at night, you're watching TV, it's like two o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden you see the Ethiopian or African baby with the big stomach, with the flies surrounding him. That's poverty porn. Oh. Those are those images that make you feel really gross and bad and guilty inside. And then they hit you with it. Can you give me something? Because we can we cannot solve this without you. Look at this baby. Look at this kid. And so there are so many industries that use porn, the figurative porn, if you yeah. will, um, to get their message across. So mm-hmm. a lot of charities use poverty porn to get their message across. Um, some people use animal cruelty porn, right? Some yeah. people learn, you know, they show that the horrible images of, you know, the, the dog that was shot or that was strangled and the, the horrible images of their, their bruisings or their scars. And that gets people to give. Um, and so uh, my organization doesn't do that. We don't like that. Uh, we are absolutely against that. Because homeless community members are our friends. They are our family and we treat them as such. Um, and so for instance, there was there was a picture of a lady, I think it was in Denver International Airport recently, an older lady, she was naked. And she was walking around in an airport terminal asking people where they were from. And people made a video. And um, Denver News posted the story But they said, we will not be showing the video of this woman because it is inappropriate and we do not want to further uh, exasperate her situation because we don't know what that situation is. And that is one of the biggest issues that we're having currently in our digital media world today is we may not know the context of this picture, this image, this video, but yet we're sharing it with our thoughts attached to whatever this image is. So when we see that person with a sign, holding up a sign on the corner of the street, panhandling saying, will you help me find a place to sleep? Will you help me get something to eat most people will take that image and you know they'll exasperate that idea of oh well this person you know if if you give him five bucks you'll end his poverty you'll end his homelessness well that's not how that works you know what I mean um but a lot of times people don't realize that these people panhandling are actually looking for their basic needs to be met their physiological Mm -hmm. needs and so many people are so far removed from the physiological need of life um, that they believe that you can't just need food. You can't just need water. I have plenty of water at my house, which I do. Um, I have plenty of food at my house. Why can't you eat? You probably just want drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And that isn't always the case. Um, There are a lot of shelters that cost money um, and a lot of people panhandle just so they can go take a shower. Um, and, and people were not aware of that. And so our organization doesn't use poverty porn. We do show images of our friends, um, our friends who allow us to, to take pictures of them, but we are usually in the picture with them mm-hmm. because they are our friends. We are usually arm in arm, hand in hand, 
having a birthday party or whatever with our friends because that's what they are we don't want to show you them in their darkest hour we want you to know who that person is not who that situation is um if we're talking about uh i have a friend named uh i'll call her millie so miss millie but regardless that's a name I made up but she is an individual that is amazing on the streets um she is a homeless community member she's a senior citizen um she is an older woman who was a journalist and we fangirl over her because she is an awesome writer we love her we go sit on the streets with her and we would love nothing more than for her to have a writing class and host us as writers because we hold her in a high regard. Her homelessness is a circumstance. It isn't who she is. She is a homeless individual, but homelessness isn't her. She has a name. She has a past life. She has a life today and she can get back to that life with our help, with your help. Um, and so for us showing us, showing her in her darkest hour isn't what's best for her, isn't empowering to her. We want to show images that are empowering. We also want to show images that are educational. Yes, that baby on the Feed the Children commercial in Africa, that baby with the big stomach, it can be educational. But most people don't take it that way. Mm-hmm. Most people take it in a way of uh, either they feel guilty or, you know, they feel like the savior because we have a lot of savior mentality happening today. Um, and and so that's the kind of context that those those pictures, those poverty porn pictures are taken as. Um, and it's a not a masculine mentality, but kind of, I, I don't know the word to use specifically, um, but it's kind of all, almost like a hierarchy type situation. I'm better than you, so I can help you. It's not me wanting to help you just because I just want to help you. I feel better than you. And it makes me feel good that I can do something for you. Um, so it's almost a toxic, um, almost kind of used in a, a toxic context. Um, and so we're, we're totally against that. I, I, I had no idea I, now that you explained it. I'm like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. I didn't know there was a name for it. Um, but, but you're right. Like that's to try to get people guilt people into it instead of being like, you know what? I just want to help this organization. Like every time you're like, oh, Hey, I'm doing like a fundraiser for the Bautista project. I'm like, sure. Here's some money. <laughs> like, Cause I know you're doing good work. Like, I know that you're boots on the ground. You actually care about these people. Um, So moving on, uh, what have you found have been the most significant contributing factors to homelessness? I personally um, am most interested in in the mental illness um, portion of that, because I mean, that's, that's my zone of like interest, but like, what are some contributing factors that you found um, for homelessness? So actually it's funny that you bring up mental illness and mental health because that actually isn't a big part of homelessness. Really? Yes. So people think, oh, well, they must be mentally ill. A lot of times they become mentally ill being on the streets. Um, So if you could imagine sleeping on the concrete out Mm -hmm. in the middle of downtown Tampa, for instance, um, 
you've either got to be high or drunk or probably mentally ill to survive a night out there because it's not easy, right? So a lot of contributing factors um, to individuals entering homelessness, a lot of times for women um, is domestic abuse uh, or mm. other abuse issues um, that happen in their lives. Um, a lot of people don't realize there are a lot of systemic issues um, that lead to homelessness. Um, most of the time, if you were born poor, you're going to die poor. Yep. It's unfortunate. And vice versa. If you, if you're, if you were born rich, you're going to more than likely die rich, unless you're just a really horrible money manager. Um, but most of the time you can sustain one or the other, unfortunately. Um, and so a lot of times systemic issues like, um, unequal opportunities, within the communities, within academics, um, those things contribute to an individual's homelessness. Um, the criminal justice system contributes to homelessness mm -hmm. big time. Um, but in personal individuals, um, failing health, um, just the evolution of life itself. If you were able to buy a home in 1940 for $17,000, and you're still living off and now you're a senior citizen, um, you're probably not able to survive today. And there are so many senior citizens on our streets today. Um, so domestic abuse, domestic violence, um, systemic issues. Um, and then unfortunately there are, you know, personal contributing factors like drug and alcohol abuse. Mm. Um, or personal issues that are externalized that force an individual into homelessness. Um, but actually mental health isn't um, a big contributing factor to entering the homeless system. Um, a lot of times there are a lot of people who deal with mental health issues um, that have become homeless, um, but not because of their mental health issues. Um, and so um, a lot of people aren't aware of that. But I that was is, not. <laughs> that, is a, that is a big issue for exiting the homeless community, uh, our mental health issues, because um, people don't realize, I think it was like in 1980 or 81, who was the president? Was it Reagan? I feel like he, uh, I feel like it was Reagan. Was um, Reagan before George W., like the yes. senior? Yeah, then probably Reagan. So probably right in the 80s. So they... Um, they decided that mental health institutions were not cool, which, yeah, you're right. In the sense that you guys were using them, they totally weren't cool. Yeah. But, but positive mental health communities are, mm -hmm. and we need those. But what happened was they got rid of mental health institutions. So a lot of those people who were under care were put into homeless communities or were forced onto caregivers or did try to adapt normally to society, which could have caused other issues like criminal behavior or seemingly criminal behavior um, that unfortunately evolved into homelessness. Um, but yeah, mental, mental health isn't, isn't a reason, a big reason that people are out on the streets. It's actually one of the lower uh, percentages for people being homeless. Um, usually there are a lot of other factors, like I said, systemic issues. Um, if you know that um, 
like COVID. COVID was a huge. I was going to ask you about COVID. <laughs> Tell me about COVID. COVID was an environmental um, pandemic. It was a it was a health pandemic that forced a lot of people into homelessness. People that were barely financially surviving before mm-hmm. COVID were pushed over the edge. There was a story about a woman who um, a family who the dad was the breadwinner of the family. He died from COVID. <sighs> They literally had to move out of their home. Um, And and the sucky thing is that we don't think about those things in our normal day-to-day lives. Pre-pandemic, we're not thinking about what happens if dad dies? Are we good? You know, within the military community, a lot of us have life insurance policies. Um, A lot of them, you know, automatically have these policies in place that if something were to happen to our spouses, um, we would be financially secure at least for a certain number of years. Five, um, five years, I've figured it out. <laughs> five, five years, we would be good. But there are, um, that is 1% of society, right? Mm-hmm. The other 99% more than likely don't have a guarantee. Well, I'm going to say 98 because you got the one percenters. So the military and the one percenters might have you know, some type of security, but there's 98, over 90% of people in America don't have financial security enough to say, you know what, if the breadwinner of our family died tomorrow, we'd be okay. Um, And so a lot of people were entered into the homeless community because of COVID, because they were barely surviving. And there's so many um, caveat factors to COVID. It isn't just the breadwinner dies from COVID. It was that person that worked at Walmart that was considered an essential worker that her kids now could no longer go to school because of COVID and the schools went virtual, but she could not stay home with them because she was an essential worker. So she still had to go to work. So it was either quit your job and stay home with your kids or leave your kids home alone and go to work because daycare centers were also not open. And a lot of times those people were also entering into the homeless community because of that. And so there are a lot of kind of underlying factors to the the pandemic. It wasn't just the illness itself. There were a lot of indirect factors that contributed to uh, homeless communities like the, the eviction moratorium. There are a lot of private landlords that did not care about that. Yeah. People find loopholes for those kind of things. Exactly. They were throwing people out on the streets left and right. You're thinking about those children whose parents have passed away um, that were put into the homeless system. And yeah, they can go into foster care. And what happens when they turn 18? There is no magic pot of gold that they receive, you know, at the end of their foster care journey. There are some states that do provide supplement, financial supplement, um, they'll provide a thousand dollars or $1,500. But that's not enough. Who who can live life with without at 18? What happens when you're 18 years old and you're kicked out of foster care and you have no five-year plan for your life? And they're like, here's a check for a thousand dollars, you 18 year old. Now go live your best life. More than likely that thousand dollars is going to dwindle away And that 18 year old becomes homeless if they didn't have a plan for their life, if they didn't have an academic plan or a employment plan in place, um, they will become homeless. And so these are everyday factors that we as normal people are dealing with on the regular basis. Um, 
again, what happens if a normal person gets injured on their job tomorrow? And, you know, their job gives them basic workers comp, uh, but not enough to survive on. What happens? Mm -hmm. They end up entering the home. They slowly slide into the homeless community. It's not, oh, today I'm rich and tomorrow I'm poor. It's a slow decline until all of a sudden we can no longer cover our bills. You know, first we were juggling bills. Then we were, you know, you juggle your way all the way to the streets. Yeah. Um, so I like that you keep bringing up, uh, the cycle of poverty. Cause I've talked to people about this before and I'm not ashamed. I was on welfare. Um, but the thing is, is people don't realize, cause they're like, why don't they just get help from the state? You have to have an address. You have to have an address to get, uh, be a welfare recipient on most places. Um, how are you going to get a job if you don't have access to clothing that you can wear, like nice clothing you can wear to a job? Are they going to hire you? Probably not. Like even McDonald's, like if you show up with like tears and dirty clothes, McDonald's will be like, nope. So there's so many things that are working against people that keep them in poverty because they can't afford to do the things to actually get the job that like they need. Like it's, it's wild. It's, it's my favorite argument, Megan. It's absolutely <laughs> my favorite argument. Um, most people, and it's not to their own fault, um, they are so far removed from homelessness that they are not even aware of the realistic or unrealistic expectations that they have on homeless people. Mm-hmm. So I, I was talking to someone and, and you brought up getting a job and someone was like, won't they just get a job? And I was like, getting a job won't end their homelessness, first of all. Second of all, how easy is it for Billy Bob Joe to come straight off the streets? He hasn't had a shower in a month. He has no transportation. He has no cell phone. He has no email, no way to communicate with the job, no way to practice basic hygienic needs. Um, so you're telling me there's a job out there because this is this is what my American view is, right? There's a job out there that this guy can walk straight off the streets that he's been on into this job smelling like straight urine with torn up clothes, one shoe on, hasn't eaten in a week, and you're going to give him a job in your office? To the office. Where's that <laughs> office? Tell me where that office is because I will take all of my friends over there. Absolutely, I will. You're telling me that there's a place that hires people because people literally will ignorantly tell me this to my face. And I'm like, all the all this great resignation, all these jobs, why don't they just go get a job? Let's go. I'm going to show you how this works because that's not how that works. You have to have transportation. And I'm not talking about a car. You have to have a bus pass. Bus passes in Tampa are $62 a month. Oh my God. If you get a job, you are not getting paid that first, at least I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say for seven days, you won't get paid more than likely. It's going to be two weeks. Yeah. So for that first seven days and you're sleeping on the streets, by the way, you have no shower, you have no food, but you're just going to go to this job every day and everybody's like hey billy bob welcome to the office we're having coffee talk oh my starbucks is just oh, i hate when they get my order wrong and billy bob hasn't eaten in a week tell me how that works for you 
because that's not how this, this is not real life people. That is not real life. Your real life expectation of, oh, they're, they're, they're abusing the system. I'm sorry, but your $20 a month in food stamps isn't getting spinners on their car. Okay. It isn't paying for their iPhone 13. You know how they got that iPhone 13? Clearly somebody had decent enough credit to go put that ridiculously high costing phone onto a phone bill, which probably won't be on very long because they can't afford it. Um, but initially they can get it. Um, the, the abuse of the system is one of my also all-time favorite arguments um, because clearly these people are rich and they just want food stamps. Right. Um, so yeah, and, and they just want $1 rent. I'm like, okay, that's not how that works, but thank you because there are so many hoops these people have to jump through to get their little $300 a month in assistance. You're attending these job training classes. You're looking for jobs all the time. You're reporting your information back to these people. And yeah, unfortunately, if you don't have the means to get the job, you're not going to get a job because you have to have some type of money or sustainability to get a job in the first place. So it's, it's a whole weird cycle that most people are not aware of. And um, again, I work in the homeless industry. So I talk about this cycle every single day. I talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. Physiological (laughs) needs, because your physiological needs are not met when you're telling me they have the same opportunities as me. They can go to college while they're hungry and they have on dirty underwear. So their first need is to put on clean underwear and eat. And they cannot learn until they have those needs met. It's as simple as that, or as complex as that. Um, And so most people are so far removed from that, that talk about reality of government assistance, the talk about the reality of homelessness. Um, So when we go back to that poverty porn situation, we're talking about the pictures that we take. We want you to experience and understand and be educated about homelessness in America. So a recent picture we had was a picture of some clothes in a water fountain downtown. This is how they wash their clothes in the water fountain with some soap that they have. If they have a piece of body soap, they're rubbing that body soap on their clothes and they're putting it in the water fountain. And if you talk to Mr. Jack, Mr. Jack goes to that water fountain at about 1030 at night and he takes a bath, a really quick one before he gets arrested, but he takes one. So this is reality for these people. Um, And this is a reality that we don't think about because we don't have to live. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, when I say I lived in poverty, it is nowhere the level of what we're talking about. Okay. Like there's levels of poverty, right? (laughs) I I mean, I could wash my clothes. I could take a shower. Like I I had food stamps. I, I had an apartment in the low income housing, right? I had a job. Like there's levels to this, this poverty. And people think they automatically go to, when we talk about like public assistance, they automatically go to the person that has found the loophole in the system and is just, you know, living off of it. And that is so rare. People don't even understand. That's like less than 5% of people that are on public assistance. Like most people that are on public assistance need that help to just have their basic 
you know, needs met. Like I was a single mom working full time at McDonald's, like trying to have my needs met. I was lucky. I lived in a place that had low income housing because not every place does. Um, and low income housing for me meant they based it off my income. Um, so I only could, I only had to pay the rent that I could afford. Uh, and like everything was included, electricity, everything was included. And I was very fortunate. That was as a privilege as it sounds weird, but as a, as a, a, you know, somebody in poverty, it was a privilege to have access to that. Um, but I still had like these, these needs met, right. You're talking about Maslow's hierarchy needs. My basic needs were met, but we're talking about people who, who don't have any of that. Exactly. They don't, their basic needs aren't met. And like you said, it was a privilege for you to have a place to stay. And people don't realize that being a privilege because they think, oh, but you were so bad off. No, I had a privilege because there are so many people that are sleeping in a street that didn't have that privilege of, of having that low income housing or having those food stamps. Um, the social security system is so bogged down. It's taking years as for some individuals to get approved for mental health disability or physical health disability. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about years, where do you think these people are living? There is no grace period housing. Yeah. There, there is no while you're waiting housing. Um, there is, you either have, or you have not. Yeah. And, and, and I like you brought up the mental health and physical health disability. So I have bipolar disorder and I'm part of a bipolar uh, group and people talk about how they're bouncing from job to job to job because they can't maintain um, because of their mental health sy their symptoms. But like then people are sharing like, how do I get disability? And it takes years and so much paperwork and you have to have access to psychiatrists and therapists who can verify that you have such severe symptoms that you cannot work. Same it's with fun. like physical disability. This is not just mental disability. Sounds fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people talk about it because they don't realize what that means. They don't realize that in order to go to all of these appointments, you, um, one, if you have a job, they have to be able to allow you to go to all these appointments, which mm -hmm. more than likely, if you're on this bottom level of poverty, your job really doesn't care about that. And they're not going to allow you to take all of these days and hours off of work to go to all of these appointments. Secondly, if you don't have a job, how are you sustaining while you're going through this process? How are you eating? How are you paying your rent? How are you surviving? Like I said, there is no grace period housing. Um, there is no while you wait housing. Um, and so a lot of people don't see that though. They think you're just going from point A to point Z. They don't realize that there is a hierarchy of needs, that education is a hierarchy of needs. It's you're up here at the top. If my bottom needs are not met, I cannot focus on getting an education. One plus one is whatever you say it is because I'm hungry. Okay. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't. So when people were saying, well, why don't they just go to college? They have the same opportunity. Why don't they just get a job? They have the same opportunities. Why, why would they, why would you steal something to eat? Because I'm hungry, Jill. I'm hungry. I am not. Yes. There are so many people I would love, and I am going to do this. I am going to go to the streets. I'm going to hold up the sign and I'm going to say, I need help buying my friend some shoes. 
will you give me $50 to buy them some shoes and see how many people will actually give me that $50 or will my friend have to go steal some shoes? You know what I mean? Let's be honest about it. When I talk about my personal journey, I talk about this horrifically funny story of me buying a $700 bottle of aspirin. Why? Because I chose when I was homeless to steal a bottle of aspirin from the store. When I stole that bottle of aspirin, they called the police. When they called the police, I went to jail. When I went to jail, I got a bond for $700. That actually was my rent money. And I had to give them my rent money for this bottle of aspirin. Mm -hmm. Very stupid choice. Yes, absolutely. But guess what? Some people's choices are between bad and worse. Some people's choices aren't between good and bad. So unfortunately, guess what? I was homeless again because I couldn't pay my rent. And I had a private landlord who literally put his key in my lock, opened my door and said, get out now. Yeah. I now stupid again, stupid choices. Uh, I got a DWI. I was very fortunate. I had a car at the time, but guess what happened? I lost my license and guess what you had to pay to get your license back. I had to pay like $1,300. Guess who was in poverty and did not have $1,300 this chick. So I went without a license for three years because I did not have the money to pay. Now, was it a smart for me to drink and drive. Absolutely not. And I just blew right over the limit. So that was really shitty. Uh, and they reduced it to a DWAI. So I would have had to pay way more money if, wow. but I was in poverty. Like I was fortunate to have a car. It was a piece of shit car, piece of shit, but I had a car, right? That's a privilege. Um, <laughs> and I could not afford the $1,300 to get my license back. So I did not have a license for three years and I had to depend on people to drive me around or had to walk to work. Um, and I couldn't bring my daughter to so many, thank goodness she had started school and I could work while she was in school, but there were so many things that went into this and unfortunately had family who helped me, but they didn't have money. It's a cycle of poverty. They did not have money to pay $1,300 to get my license back. So I didn't have a license for three years. And, and again, very privileged story because I still had a place to live. I still had a job. I still had all these you know, I still had food in my belly, but I mean, it's just a small story of like, you're saying like, if you don't have the money and maybe you make a stupid decision and maybe you don't. So sometimes you're arrested for the most ridiculous shit. I mean, we're talking about mental health. Yeah. Or, or like (laughs) having a mental health episode, like, and then now you're in jail and you talked to, to bring this around a little bit. You talked early about the criminal justice system that's also a cycle mm-hmm. because you were just talking about how homelessness, they got arrested for being homeless. Well, if you've already been arrested for something, same mental health episode, now you have all this money and fines that you have to pay. You can't afford it. So now you're homeless. Now you've gotten arrested for being homeless. And now you have a, like an even longer record. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, there's a whole cycle of criminal justice system as well. So we're going to just do a whole cheat sheet of insert cycle here. Whatever your struggle, insert your struggle here. Um, And so, yeah, homelessness, they're criminalized for uh, loitering, a lot of times trespassing. Um, And so 
it's a it's a really horrible cycle you go you're already in poverty you're sleeping on the streets then you know this this homeless organization like the Bautista project comes and they're giving you food and clothing and and your basic needs right and then you get arrested guess what happens to all that stuff that stuff goes in the trash because a lot of times officers don't want to book that stuff into jail, um, but they're supposed to. Uh, but anyway, you go to jail, right? You get a ticket. Or even if you don't go to jail, you get a ticket. You get a citation that costs money um, that you already don't have. So now you got this whole criminal record thing going for you. Then you're back out on the streets and now you have to show up to like this, this class or this, this program that you can't get to. So now you got to go to court. Oh my God, you have no communication device. So you have no way to contact the court if something happens. So guess what? Now you didn't show up to court. Now you got an FTA, failure to appear. Oh, now you got a warrant. Oh, here comes the police. You go to jail. Now you have an even bigger issue. So this whole cycle, now wait, go to jail. Wait, you got to go to jail. Then you get out. Now you're on probation. Now you got to pay all these. Now you got to visit the probation officer. Now you got to pay to get to the probation office. You got to pay these fines. Now you got restitution and all that. Um, and then you miss a day going to your PO's office because you were starving. Your stomach was hurting and you got beat up the other night um, because some other homeless person assaulted you on the streets or some regular person walking down the street assaulted you because I've watched it happen with my own two eyes. Um, and so you didn't show up to your PO's office. Guess what? You got another warrant. Oh my God. You got like $50,000 in fines and warrants and, and you can't get hired because you got a record. Yeah. Yeah. That, you can't so, get a house because you got a That's record. what I was going to say is look at all these people coming out of jail that people yeah. won't hire because on an application it says, have you ever been uh, convicted of a misdemeanor of felony? And then you have to say yes, because they do a background check. And then they're like, we won't hire you. Well, where, where are people getting out of pri- prison and jail going to go if they don't get hired? Right. So you said going, going to get a job on the job application. So guess what? If you say yes, you don't get hired. But if you say no and they find out, you don't get hired. So here we are with this whole weird, vicious cycle of the criminal justice system of poverty and people to say, well, why, why can't you in your own homelessness? This is, this is one of my biggest things is, is people always ask me, well, why don't they just get a job? Why don't they just go to school? Um, well, yeah, I mean, Honestly, if I'm feeling crappy in my privileged life, I'm going to be like, today, I, my stomach is hurting. I'm not going nowhere. Yeah. I, okay. I need a mental health day. Exactly. So imagine how that works in the life of a homeless individual, that mental health day. They don't get a mental health day. There are no mm-hmm. days off. There are no, there is no reprieve for them. Okay. I have 50% of my friends who are living on the street have jobs. have a freaking job. They literally walk to work or they get a bus pass from an organization like mine um, and they go to work all day. When it's lunchtime, they don't eat because they don't have a lunch. When it's time to get off, 
they go back to their concrete pallet um, that they 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 made a cardboard pallet on the concrete and it is it is a pretty dismal life you know what I mean and people don't realize like wait you have a job no a full-time freaking job and they are homeless Tampa Tampa said if you want to be decent here you got to make 24 10 an hour what's the minimum wage in Tampa the minimum wage two Thursdays ago went from eight 65 an hour to ten dollars an hour ten dollars an hour now but you need 24 10 to survive but we're at 10 so congratulations to you poor people yeah people don't see it's poverty wages it hasn't kept up with inflation so we're paying more now for something we paid way less 10 years ago for well people say well if we pay you more that means things will cost more. Um, I'm sorry, the wages um, haven't gone up, but everything has actually still gone up. So yeah. where's this whole balance thing at? Because you're telling me if you pay us more, things will cost more. Things have been costing more, but you ain't paying us more. So what? What? what's really happening here? Oh, you mean somebody's getting paid more. Okay, I got mm-hmm. it, it's somebody, but not everybody. That CEO is making seven million dollars a year billions <laughs> some of yeah, billions here here we are with your lowest paid employees down here making eight six they're not even making a livable wage and you are how do you sleep at night how do you sleep at night knowing that your employees are sleeping on the concrete you're mm-hmm. fine okay because that's weird to me i would totally feel guilty but whatever no exactly um, I don't want to take up your whole day because I literally could talk to you about this forever. So what's one way that we, what are some ways, not one way, because it's not like a one and done thing. What are some ways we can combat homelessness, right? Like what are some things that we as individuals, is, is there people that we can, we can talk to? Is there things that we can help provide? Like how do we combat homeless? How do we help the homeless population? You said, is there somebody we can talk to? Yeah. yeah. Talk to the freaking homeless people. Yes. <laughs> Say hi. Hi. What's your name? Talk to them. That helps them. That empowers them. That makes them feel like they are part of your community. Because guess what? If they're sleeping in your community, they are a part of your community. So talk to them. Say, hey, that is the cheapest thing you can do. That is the most freest thing you can do is say, hi, how are you? What's your name? Where are you from? And you don't have to be probing, but have a genuine conversation. It makes people feel good. It and makes please don't take good. a selfie with them. Please do don't not, do that. Exactly. Because that, you're crossing the porn line. That's a porn line. That is a poverty porn line. Do not hand them $5 with the camera. You don't need to do that, but there are some small things you can do. So talk to them. That's number one. Say hello. You don't have to have a full-blown conversation. If you don't feel safe, you don't have to do any of that. But you know what? Most homeless community members are nonviolent. I know we see stuff on TV, but guess what? I've been working in the homeless industry for more than 10 years and I have never once been assaulted. 
I had someone tell me that I needed to be careful delivering meals to homeless community members because they could kill me. I was like, well, that's interesting because no one's ever killed me before. So that's, hmm. but, um, so that's one of the things you can do is just have a conversation, let them feel human because we like that. I like feeling human. You like feeling human, help them to feel seen and heard thing you can do is when you're going through your clothes and we all have that that chronically homeless individual in our community when you're going through them your clothes your husband's clothes your wife's clothes your your children's clothes find something if before you go take it to that big huge shiny goodwill store give it to an individual on the street guess what if you give them a grocery bag or a reusable bag full of clothes if they don't need it guess what they're going to do they're going to give it to someone who does because they have lots of friends out there who need things. So go through your sock drawer, get your socks out. It doesn't matter what kind of socks, if they're clean and dry, they need them. Take those socks out of your drawer. And like I said, you don't have to completely interact if you don't feel comfortable. When you're driving along and you're stopped at that red light, hand that bag of socks out of the window. They're going to take a couple pair and they're going to give their friends a pair of socks too do that. If you've got a couple bucks and you want to help them when you're going to get that amazing Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever in the drive-thru say, Hey, can you put a $5 gift card on my, on my bill? Guess what? You, you're not even taking an extra step. You're literally Mm -hmm. still in your car going through the drive-thru. You get that $5 gift card. And again, when you drive to that red light and you see that person with the sign, hand them the $5 gift card allow them the freedom of choice, the freedom of choice. You don't have to go buy them a meal. You can hand them a gift card, empower them to go do better for themselves. And that's what will end homelessness in America. It isn't doing something for someone else. It's helping them do better for themselves. Yeah. Last time uh, I saw a homeless individual, it's uh, usually there's this, there's this, um, intersection on my way to school and there was always this woman there and one day I was driving by and I was just like you know what I got cash I got cash that like it's not gonna hurt me and I handed out to her and she started crying she started crying and I, I just felt so bad it's gonna make me cry I felt so bad because people are you could see like people had thrown things at her People had treated her like she was less than human. And I haven't seen her there in a while. So I'm really hoping that means something really good happened to her yes. and not something really bad. Right. Um, Cause I saw her like every, every day and people were so rude, like so rude. Like I'd be behind people and they'd be shouting out the windows. And I'm like, this is a human being. And just because you're so privileged that you will probably never be in that. I know what it's like to be on that verge. Like all it takes was one really bad thing to happen. Like what if I'd gotten hurt at work and we just talked about how it takes years to get disability. I could have ended up on the street too. Like, and I think so many, like you said, so many people are so far removed from that, that they don't understand. Like it's, it's not because people are making really shitty decisions. It's because they are, have really shitty circumstances. Absolutely. And it's circumstantial. Absolutely. Um, and, and it takes all of us. Um, and homelessness is solvable. It is a completely solvable issue. And the crazy thing is everyone knows that it isn't, it isn't an issue 
plaguing our country, it would actually only cost $20 billion to end homelessness in America. $20 billion. Um, I heard on the side that it costs $2.5 million a minute to go into space for 32 seconds or whatever they're doing. So let's go ahead and calculate all these things up. Um, so while you and your friends are chumming it up on, you know, the Earth's atmosphere out here, you know, floating around, um, there are people starving. There are people that just need a hand up. Um, there is a mom with a little girl who is making the decision to leave her little girl with someone she doesn't know, because if she doesn't show up to work, she's going to get fired. And that little girl is going to be assaulted. Yeah. Because her mom didn't have a better choice. So we need to remember that and think about our friends and our family and, and say to ourselves, do I want that to be my mom or my daughter or my dad or my friend? Because these people are our friends. They are part mm -hmm. of our community. And it, it's actually cheaper just to help them than it is not to. I mean, look at our bloated military budget. I bet you could like shave off a couple bills <laughs> off of that. Or a million, shave off a couple million every year for like five years. And there we go. We just solved it. Well, there, there's a whole human services industry in America that takes in that money to help those people, but it isn't changing the situation. Why? Because we're approaching it incorrectly. We're, we're throwing money at the problem, but we're not helping the individual out of their circumstance. We're giving them all this stuff. There are so many organizations that provide for homeless community members, but some of their missions aren't actually to end homelessness. Some of their missions are to actually help the homeless, provide meals for the homeless, provide clothing for the homeless, but it isn't to actually help them get out of homelessness. Yeah. We have yeah. to start holding people accountable and looking at that, donating to grassroots organizations that you know for a fact, people are out there doing the work. Like you said, you don't, I don't, I've never shown you a picture of a feces covered homeless individual. And yet yeah. you donate to my organization because you believe that what we are doing is what's right for people in need. And so you continue to donate and that's what we need. We need more people like you to say, you know what? I don't, I'm not donating because I feel guilty at all. I'm donating because I want to just help. I want to and, help solve a problem and people can donate. I'm going to put the donation link on in this episode, <laughs> yes. just so people know they can donate. <laughs> you, you absolutely can, but you don't need to donate because you feel guilty, right? You can, you can just help because you just want to help. And that's, that's the kind of people that we need in our society. We need more people that just want to help because they just want to be a part of the solution. That's just it. Not because they're privileged and they feel guilty because they're privileged. No, because again, if I have stuff in my car, I literally will hand a homeless person what I have in my car. And I'm not talking about money. I have gone up to them. I hand them a half a pack of tissue, a half used hand sanitizer and a granola bar. You don't even realize how much of an impact that has. It's not even a big deal. And I'm not doing it because I feel guilty. 
I'm doing it because I want them to have a better life. If they can just clean their hands and blow their nose on a clean tissue, I'm good. That makes me feel good. And I'm pretty sure that made them feel good too. Well, Marla, we got to wrap this up so I don't take all your time because <laughs> I'm like, it's not going to be that long. And then here we are chatting it up. Uh, I've really appreciated this uh, conversation, not only for my school project, but your transparency and really uh, breaking things down for people about like, why is the, how this problem is, is multi-layered. It is not just like this, you go get a job, you're good to go. Like it, there's so many layers to it. The fact that you said in Tampa, it costs $62 a month for a bus pass. I was, I almost threw up in my mouth. Like that is insane. That one is one bus pass. One bus pass. That's, that's mind blowing. And who the hell can afford that? Like, you know, when you're living in poverty, who can afford, that's like almost a whole paycheck. Like that's, that's half a paycheck right there. If you're working minimum wage in Tampa, literally literally half a paycheck. Um, So it was, it was absolutely mind blowing, but I really, uh, and and I thought I knew things, but I didn't know things. Um, So (laughs) thank you for breaking it down for all of us. And I want to say, I really appreciate where you come from with your attitude about this is calling them your friends. Cause I'm sure that makes a huge difference in somebody's life. The fact that you are humanizing them, right? You're humanizing them. They're like, I see you. You're my friend. I care about you. I care about you, that you were a journalist. And then I want you to get, get you back into that because it's something you really love. So I, I want to give you like, just, you have such an amazing giving attitude. And I want everybody to like follow you on all the socials. Um, because like, you don't, you don't do the poverty porn. You're just like, these are people I'm a people. I'm a person. These are people we need to help our people. So Marla, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love talking to you. You are amazing. (laughs) And you, I'm, I'm appreciative of your authenticity, Megan, seriously. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.